Welcome to the Joplin and Andrea podcast, where we discuss all things faith, family, and fun. We've got a special show lined out for you today. Uh, earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with pastor and evangelist Wesley Campbell, a dear friend of ours from out in South Carolina, and we recorded uh, what is part of a series that he is in on mental health in the church. I thought the segment was a great segment and that it would just be a good idea to share that with our listeners this week. It's about a 45-minute piece, and so with no further ado, here is this week's edition of the Joplin Andrea podcast with special guest Wesley Campbell. Man, we're excited today to be talking about mental health in the church um, and hopefully leave you with some practical ways that you guys that are struggling with mental health issues, uh, by the time we're done today, hopefully you've got some direction and some encouragement from us. But um, Wesley, this was your your heart last week when we talked. And so, man, I'm going to kind of let you lead it and i'm here to help any way i can comment as uh, the lord leads but why don't you get us started well we talked last week we started this series on mental health and we're going to follow it we're going to try to follow it as much as we can but we started with jeremiah last week jeremiah 20 to watch jeremiah this prophet this man of god this chosen man matter of fact so much so that in the first part of the book of jeremiah god said i've known you since i've formed you in your mother's womb i've called you i've ordained you and And so there's no argument that Jeremiah was one of the greatest of God's men that we know, especially back in this Old Testament, but yet he's a man that you and I and most people know as the weeping prophet, a man that as far as we know, converts were never uh, a big thing in Mm -hmm. Jeremiah's ministry that we can't point to conversions. Right. But yet he struggled so intimately and, and, and so much with mental health. Uh, it's not just depression. It's, it's anxiety. It's, uh, we believe, and, and you could speak Burnout, on this. wanting to quit. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is another one that you may be able to speak on and shed some light. Addiction, the addiction mentality. Uh, that when the mental part of the addiction is so hard to beat as well as the physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the need for it and and so we're watching people that are in church that are Christians that are coming to church every week faithful to God but yet they're struggling with these mental things and we have taught this this false narrative for so long that that God is good yes yes but you're bad and you need to get better and if you don't get better you're not a good Christian mm-hmm. and and we we've we've taught that and we've convinced people that they're not good because they have issues going on in their life and the truth is i have them too right sure yeah you know i think that's an oversimplification of the problem sometimes we do that when we don't have a good answer mm-hmm. we we try to oversimplify the answer and regardless of the fact you know the bible does tell us to be anxious about nothing right but that doesn't mean that we will never be anxious. Mm-hmm. Jesus said repeatedly, 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 fear not, fear not, fear not. But that doesn't mean that you will never have fear. Right. And so how do we handle that? You know, I think the church and pastors and leaders, we have to provide biblical solutions because shaming people out of their anxiety never works. No. Uh, shaming people out of depression it never works right and really all it does is cause them to be quiet and say nothing about it because they're ashamed 
which only feeds this vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. And so you, you made the statement, that basic statement last week when we were talking that, um, and I think you told me you'd even heard somebody yeah. make the statement, wasn't yep. a, you know, your own, but it was a very simple statement <clears throat> that God is good, you're bad, change. Yep. Um, th- it's just not that easy. Right. And so, um, okay, so you're talking about the problem of mental health in the church. Um, what, you know, you've been pastoring for several years. Uh, you've been able to travel the country as well as an evangelist. Um, so you, you, and I know you personally, like, so I know that you've worked with, uh, and I hate to use this term, but hopefully our, our people understand what I'm trying to say here. I've heard you, you know, I know that you work with the average person in the pew, right. and I know that you work and mentor with leaders at the highest level in the church. Right. And so what's been your perspective of, you know, this problem of anxiety, fear, mental health issues? It's just such a struggle because there's, you have guys, like you said, you have people, lay people, just people in our pews and people in our church that are struggling so hard with anxiety, Mm -hmm. uh, discouragement and depression and can't get past it. But on the other level, there's leaders of the church Mm -hmm. that are struggling there. And one of the greatest problems is, is as the church, when we as leaders are struggling and it's hard to help others because we right. don't know, <clears throat> yeah, we feel inadequate and we feel like you said, shame was the best, one of the greatest words that we've used because we feel that way. Mm-hmm. We feel that we're not good enough and, and that we're not Christian enough or that we're not holy enough. And, and, and therefore we stop reaching for what, God has intended us to do. Paul said, Paul said for, he said, I, brethren, I've not yet have apprehended this, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. The problem is, is when we get to the part of this mental issue is we stop reaching. We mm-hmm. really stop pursuing what God wants us to have and pursuing a life that God wants us to live. And that's a life of freedom. That's a life that, that, that the Bible tells us the truth shall set us free. Mm-hmm. But it's the mental part. That's the battlefield of the enemy. Mm-hmm. Why do we think that the battlefield is right here in front of our eyes? You know, why do we think uh, that the battlefield or the battle is with other people when the Bible clearly tells us in Ephesians that we wrestle not against flesh and blood? Right. Yeah. Against principalities and powers, mm-hmm. rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places and romans 12 teaches this as well that you know we've you know uh we have to renew our minds Mm -hmm. but that's that's one of the secrets to to uh really um being transformed as christians right and so um i I, this is a complicated topic that we, we tend to oversimplify we want a quick bullet point here's the problem here's the answer and it just doesn't work that way right but what I wanted, I'd like to see us maybe hone in on a couple aspects. Okay. So um, I'm going to ask a question, and I want to clarify that question before asking it, because um, the last thing in the world I'm doing here is blaming the church. Yeah. It's not the church is not to, to blame. Um, there's an enemy that's out there trying to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy that wants to steal us. You uh, steal our joy, our hope. 
um, the pain and destruction that's in the world is because of right. sin. Right. And so um, as well, look, we've got to take our own thoughts captive. Mm-hmm. I was talking with a therapist literally yesterday about the mental health crisis. And this is what he said. He said, we don't really have a mental health crisis right now in America. We have a refusal to check our minds crisis. We're allowing our, you know, we're, we're, we're binging on Facebook right. and on Instagram right. and on negative news. And we refuse to obey God on how to handle our minds. And because of that, because of our disobedience to that, we are seeing the consequences of heightened anxiety and yeah. and whatnot. But he said the answer is not just throwing medicine at everybody. It's getting our minds right. I say all that to say I'm not looking to blame the church right. with the question I'm about to ask. But you and I are pastors, mm-hmm. right? We're talking to the church today. So the question I want to ask is what are some of the problems? Like where has the church failed in helping people out of you know mental health issues what, what is the problem or some of the problems in how mental health is handled inside of the church i would say first of all just recognition to recognize first of all that we as christians have problems we're not yeah, perfect yeah. yeah jeremiah this whole book jeremiah writes lamentations and it's the most depressing book at times I mean, that's what he's doing. He's lamenting. Yeah. And he's crying. And, and Jeremiah, when we covered last week in chapter 20, Jeremiah said the words. He said, I'm not going to make mention of your name anymore. God, you've deceived me. And that's what that's the problem is we, we believe that somehow God has lied to us. When God told us that all that live godly is going to suffer persecution and that there's going to be troubles. Yes. And he says that in John. Yeah. That we're going to have trouble. But we, we don't recognize the fact that we are in a spiritual war, and that's a mental battle. Yes. We don't recognize that we all have problems. We're not going to be perfect. That the Christian struggles. And yes. I think that's the first thing we have to do is recognize that we need help. We need, we need to be true. We need to be authentic. We need to be genuine. And we need to be real and say, I'm not a perfect Christian. I don't have it together. I struggle mentally. And as a pastor, I struggle mentally. Yeah. I struggle with the fear of failure. I struggle with the anxiety of the next step mm-hmm. and how to make it correct. Did I do the right thing? I told you last night leaving the airport that I, I felt like I failed Sunday by not preparing more. Um, that's that's the mental struggle, but we don't we don't recognize it. Or if we do recognize it, we act as if we don't have it. And I think we got to be real. Yeah, that's the first thing we have to do. You started off that statement there with, um, you know, the the general concept that we are going to have difficult times, and um, we've got to be honest about that. I think one of the things that does lead to so much um, turmoil, mental turmoil is a false expectation of what the Christian life should look like. Right. If you think that if you're faithful to God, that means you're never going to have troubles paying your bills because of some misquoted verse. Right. Well, all of a sudden, you're going to struggle and you're going to be anxious. You're going to be frustrated when you find out that, you know, you don't have a job in two weeks. Right. 
And um, you're going to be frustrated to a degree that's even greater than just dealing with the struggle of life because you had a false expectation that you would never have to endure this type of difficulty. Right. Uh, if you have a false expectation, for example, that the church is never going to hurt uh, you or anyone else, you, you, you misunderstand the reality that Jesus said in the church, you're going to have the wheat and the tares. There's always right. going to be, you know, false uh, hypocrites in the body. And in the end, God separates the sheep from the goats, but they're all together until the very end. Right. right? And so the, the Bible teaches us there is a way that we got to do with problems in the church, but they are going to be there. Yeah. But if you think you really believe that if I follow God and I love God and I do the right thing, I'm never going to be hurt. No one's ever going to do me wrong. I'm never going to struggle with bills. Everything's going to be great. And that's the promise of God's favor in my life. You're going to be greatly disappointed. And so I think having a realistic expectation. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, in, in America, it seems like we have an expectation that we should never deal with pain. And and I, it's my opinion. There's a lot of reasons. Like I said, there's no bullet point here. There's a lot of reasons that we see depression on the level of, mm. of all-time high in the history of recorded medical you know, mm. history. It's at an all-time high. There's a lot of reasons for it, but I think one of those reasons is unrealistic, unrealistic expectation. Yep. We see, especially in our young people, you know, it's like if every anything that's hard, anything they have to suffer— uh, you know, everybody wants their safe space. They never want to be challenged. They don't want anyone to, you know, tell them they're thinking wrong, doing wrong, acting mm. wrong. And it's like we've been conditioned to have a false expectation of what life should look yeah. like. And then when life happens, which is hard enough. It breaks us. It breaks us. So, um, And that's what Preacher Kenneth said last week. That was one of the things he said is that when we begin to talk about the realness of mental health, and how real it is, and it's real in the life of Jeremiah, it's real in the life of Elijah, David, uh, Noah, at time. Uh, it's, it's Peter, it's real. He said this, he said, it's the expectations we put upon ourselves. Because we'll put an expectation on ourselves, and we'll never reach that. And then when we don't reach it, yeah. it causes us to feel failure, which leads to discouragement. And depression, and then the anxiety comes, thinking I will never reach the expectation. Yes, and 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 then it it causes this issue where I believe we are today, and and the Bible does speak of the of a great falling away that that, that men will no longer hear and listen, and and I believe that this mental problem has a lot to do with it because we've convinced ourselves it's never going to get better, you know, and and I I'm I'm going to give you guys this scripture that we're and we'll. We're going to reference it some more, but Jeremiah 38. Jeremiah has come out of this Jeremiah 20 part where he said, I'm not going to speak of you, and then we'll shout over this verse. Everybody will. Jeremiah says, but your word was in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. And we'll all, amen, amen. But we forget the the, the narrative here. that Jeremiah is so discouraged and so depressed when he yes. says these things. And then he comes out, and it seems like everything's great. Seems like everything is wonderful, but then in Jeremiah 38, I'm going to read just this portion because I believe it goes to what you were just saying about the church as a whole. It was their mindset. The Bible says uh, that Jeremiah has prophesied, and then in verse 4 it says, Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death. 
For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remaineth in the city and the hands of all the people and speaking such words unto them. For this man speaketh not the welfare of of this people, but the herd. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he's in your hand. Uh, For the king is not he that can do anything against you. And they took Jeremiah and cast him into a dungeon. And and they let him down with cords in the dungeon. And there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. That word sunk in the mire. That's it. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that I'm, I've been there. We are sinking in our own depression, in our own mental problems, and, and we, we feel like there's nothing left because we're not being realistic. We're not admitting that we, we, we have some hang-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, the realness of this, this mental problem, and like you said, the way we perceive it in the church and the way we act on it in the church— and we feel as if we have to be perfect. And I think that's what Jeremiah was struggling with. He's giving this word and he's giving truth. Truth is not always easy to give. And Jeremiah's giving truth. And because of the truth he's given, they're saying, this man's not out to help us. He's out to hurt us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, then they cast him away. And, and, and here he is suffering. And nobody's there. Nobody knows what to do. He's sinking in his own stuff yeah yeah i just feel like there's so many people that's watching us that's sinking and they don't know what to do they've been in church forever yeah so i i want to talk about that like you know what do you do um you know a lot of time we don't do anything because we're afraid of the perception right of of not having faith um and and we don't realize that even great men of God, like David, who was a man after God's own heart, you know, David struggled. And at times David had to call out to God and basically say, I feel like, you know, I'm going to die here. Yeah. But, um, nonetheless, he would eventually bring his thoughts back to God. He'd choose to begin praising God. He would think himself happy is another, uh, you know, term that's, that's used. Mm -hmm. And there, there is some things we can do. I think it is helpful, as we've already acknowledged, just to be honest that sometimes we need to do these things. And that just, you know, it's not like if you're a man of God or a woman of God, you're never going to need the discipline that is required to bring yourself out of depression. Um, when I when we started the church in Derby, Kansas, um, I we started with a small group of like 12 of us. Um, I worked full time. And at that time in my life, I actually owned a company and had about 14 employees. We built homes. And the stress of just running a company and having employees that are depending upon you for a paycheck uh, in the construction world, you know, you really only have work two to three months out. So you're constantly trying right. to go after the next job. And we started the church and I functioned in that realm for like a year and a half to two years and I, all I can tell you is I got into, and it was the worst place in my life. And it was confusing because the church was doing well. Church is thriving. People are being saved. God's showing up. And I'm growing darker and darker and yep. darker. And I'm yep. so exhausted mentally and emotionally that I can't hardly function. And... I, I was so absent in the home for a while. I mean, I would come home and it's like I just, from work... And I just needed to be alone. I was so overwhelmed. And then I started feeling guilty. 
I started feeling like the worst hypocrite on the planet. I'm thinking you're getting up every Sunday and preaching about how God's good. And right now you're angry with God because you're overwhelmed and you feel like God shouldn't have called you to start this church if he knew you were going to be, you yeah. know, in this level of stress. And there, and I didn't see any way out. I'm like, you know, there's, there's no way. There's no, I can't, I can't. It just seems so hopeless to me. And then I'm frustrated. And then I feel like a hypocrite. And I got in a dark place, man. I got... Uh, like I said at the beginning of this, um, I, I've never lived anywhere else. It's where I've lived my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I got, I started getting lost driving around. I started blacking out in my vehicle, like waking up on a highway and honestly taking 30 seconds, which is an eternity, to remember what I'm doing. Why am I on this road headed this direction? Like I, be, I was so fried and, and there was a day where I got lost three times in one day where I was just like, this is enough. Something's got to break. And I, I, I literally just turned around and drove straight to a doctor. And I was in, I was in denial for a long time. Like, I, I don't even know how to put it into words, but I was just in denial that I needed help. Mm -hmm. And I was ashamed if that were true. Yeah. And so I couldn't bring myself to accept that. I didn't need help. I needed everything in my world to change. I needed this to change and this to change and this to change. And I justified my attitude and my heart because anybody else dealing with all the stuff I was dealing with, they'd be in the same position. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing I can do. And all I can tell you is something had to break in me where I determined I won't live this way the rest of my life. I can't be this way um, to my family where I'm distant. And I'm just, I have no energy for them and I'm just exhausted. I can't preach the rest of my life, getting up there, feeling ashamed of where I'm at emotionally. Right. I can't do it. I remember I went to the doctor he told me what I knew he was going to tell me that I was battling depression bad and that I needed help and I needed to make some changes to my lifestyle that I couldn't continue to, to live with the same amount of stress load and that I was going to have to figure out what I was going to have to break. I went home, sat down with Andrea and said, look, I can't continue to function this way. I don't even know how we're going to make it, but we're going to have to make changes because I can't give up the ministry. I can't give up what I know God's called me to. And so of all the things I'm juggling that I'm going to have to start the process of letting go, our business is one of them. It's just going to have to go. And we begin talking about what that looked like and, um, Man, I, I could spend the next hour talking about the process, but what I can tell you, and we don't have time for that right now, but what I can tell you is that I found true healing that has radically transformed my life. I'm not opposed to medicine, right? but I don't live on it. Like God healed me, but it was through a process of learning how to renew my mind and also learning, there, there are a couple very important factors for me. Maybe we can kind of move towards, so what is the answer? You know, um, we've talked a lot about the yep. problem. What's the answer? There, there are a couple very important factors. Number one, I had to get it settled. I'm not going to live with depression and anxiety all of my life. And I refuse to accept that this is my lot. Right. It's Th not. This is it. I do not yep. have to live this way. And so let's start there. And I kind of had some fight pull up in me like enough's enough. I'm not letting my life be ruined like this anymore. But if you've ever really dealt with depression, and, and let's just say, let's go so far as to say that anxiety is a sin. Um, a lot of people are going to disagree to that statement, but we're told to be anxious about nothing. Right. However, when you're dealing with anxiety, fear, depression, 
it's not like the sin of lying in the sense of just stop. It's a feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, telling someone who is depressed to not feel depressed it, it, is like telling someone who has the flu to quit feeling yeah. nauseous. Just stop it. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way. There's a process of coming out where you've got to get your mind fixed and your heart fixed. And when you get your mind and your heart right, then the feelings begin to follow. And it takes, it takes time and a committedness to the process. So I had to get my mindset. I'm not going to live this way. One of the things that was incredibly helpful for me was I got a good, solid Christian counselor that I could connect with that could walk me through what was truly going on in, you know, the faith realm, mm -hmm. right? That wasn't just wanting to throw medicine at me every, like, here's your problem, eat this. Here's your problem, eat this. It was like, let's talk about this from a faith perspective. Yep. Where are you at mentally and emotionally? And um, having someone to talk with, it doesn't always have to be a therapist. Sometimes just having a friend that you yeah. can be honest with yeah. is, is actually therapeutic. Yep. And the other part was giving myself the grace to understand like, while I need to move forward, like I'm not going to accept I'm going to live here forever and I need to move forward. I've ident identified that, but I was able to look back and realize like, even through all this mess, God has still used me. Mm -hmm. I'm not justifying my heart. I'm not saying it's okay to stay there. Right. But it was an important uh, awakening to me because it was like, wait a second, I don't have to be perfect and I don't have to be in denial so that I can think I'm perfect. Right. I I don't have to have this perfectly working on all cylinders in order for God to use me. Like God's grace is sufficient. That's exactly what he did to Jeremiah. And so that was so really helpful for me. Um, it, as a pastor, you know, what's the answer to the church? We talked about how sometimes a church doesn't have a response to this. Concerning people in the church um, that, that, you know, they how do they help those that are struggling all right well i'm going to answer that but i want to i want to before i forget okay i want to i want to piggyback off something you said first okay y you were talking about your life and you were talking about how everything was going great and god was blessing the church god was blessing the the business god was i mean of course he was blessing your family mm -hmm. your home and and things were great but things were wrong yes that's the confusing part how how do I how do I admit that when things are great? No, it's something's wrong. Right. There therein lies a problem because it happens to us in the church. Like, um, you know, I, I've I've shared with our people, and I told them Sunday at night, you know, that I was coming out here and and ready to come out here. This is, and you know this, from the first time I've came, this is a spiritual place for me. This is a place where I get renewed. This is a place where I get refreshed. Just like you go to North Carolina. You mm -hmm. go to the mountains by yourself. And this is that for me. And I needed it because I was to the point over the last year and a half with with deaths and tragedies and and everything that's been going on and, and trying to function in the church and build a church do, during COVID. Mm -hmm. How to cast vision and, and, and go forward in vision during COVID. Yeah. What does that look like? What does ministry look like? And the, the pressure of all of that, what do I do next? How do I accomplish this? How do I help these people when I'm feeling the same way they're feeling? And, and so I needed to get out and everything's going good. I mean, 
The church is growing financially. We're God is blessing. We're watching people get saved. We're watching people we've prayed for for years come into the church. And God is blessing my family and my home. But the pressure of, of the mental side of it is so much that you lose focus. Like you said, you had to remember. You lose focus of how good God is being yeah. and yeah. what God is doing. Yes. And everything becomes bad. Yes. There's no good. And you're, Jeremiah is sunk in the mire. Yeah. There's a picture of a sinking into the depression where nothing is good. Yes. Do, do you think... You see everything through a negative light. Right. Do yes. you think that Jeremiah, as he sunk in the mire, thought, oh, just a few chapters ago, I said, I'm not going to speak of God's name anymore, but he was so gracious to me and good. No, because we forget grace. Right. Yeah. And then as the church, to, to answer the question you just asked off what I just said, as the church, how do we help? We forget grace. I don't give you grace because yes. you have problems. Right. I give you condemnation, mm-hmm. or I tell you you're not you're not praying enough. Right, you're not worshiping enough. You're you're not reading your Bible enough. It has to be a problem, and I sound no different than Job's friends. Yes, yes, yeah. I sound no different than him as a church. Yeah. And the reason people with mental struggles won't identify in the church is because. They mostly feel they're going to be condemned and their the fingers are going to be pointed. Right. And the people that are struggling outside of the church are not going to come in because they're afraid of the judgment yeah. that they're going to receive when they come. Yes. So I, I think um, well, I want to take what you're saying there and just kind of provide some direction on. So how, you know, so what do we then, how, how do we help? I think it's important that when we are looking to help uh, people that are discouraged that you do we understand what they need if they're discouraged is encouragement right and so let's just say for example that you're discouraged and you, you're you're battling anxiety fear depression worry doubt you're really discouraged really focusing on the negative if i come along and say well the problem is you're not thinking right <laughs> That's one more negative thing. Right. If I come along and I say, well, the problem is you're not spiritual enough. You're not reading your Bible enough. You don't trust God. You are simply being a failure as a Christian. And if you would quit being a failure as a Christian, all of a sudden you would experience joy. God is good. You're bad. Get better. And so that doesn't help. You're right. But but here's what I want to say. To a degree, it's true. Right. Okay. And I look back at my life. I look back at my life and what I was going through to a degree. It was true. I wasn't taking the process as God's given me in the direction God's given to overcome these things. But if you come at me from that direction with that tone and in that, I'm not in a place to receive it. And so I want to, we want to be encouragers where we come along and we acknowledge, listen, you're not the only person that's ever been here. And the good news is there is a way out. Yes. And... I think it's important to look for things that are that are being done well. Yes. Like, hey, yes. you know what? Listen, I know you're struggling, but uh, you you are you're a you've been faithful mm-hmm. to the house of God. Or, you know, you you know, I, I look at my situation. I go back to where I was at. Someone could along come along and said, Joplin, you're really struggling, and that's not a secret. But look, man, it's not all bad. You've been as faithful as you can be. You're showing up and doing what God's called you to be. 
You are coming home every day to your wife and your children. You're working hard and you're providing. It's not all bad. It's but I couldn't changing. see it there. Right. And so come alongside and encourage people. Help them to see the truth that it's not all bad. And now let's talk about what you can improve on. Yeah. What you could be doing probably better than you are. So what does your, you know, what does your 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 thought life look like? How when you when you think about how how much time in your day you spend thinking on the negative. Where would you put it? Like 50% oh, of, your day, yeah, you, 10 of your day? Yeah. 10% of your day? I understand. Okay, so you're saying it's a lot. Look, the, God tells us in Philippians chapter 4, right, that we need to not think on what's negative, but meditate on what's, what's good, good and positive. Yeah. How much time have you been doing that? Yeah. And so a lot of times it's just the way we communicate what needs to happen. And I think if we don't know how to help, we become frustrated. We want a quick, short answer, quit being bad, be spiritual, and it'll fix all your problems. Um, like I said, maybe there is some truth to that statement. Maybe, I mean, but it doesn't work. What's the point of it if it doesn't work and it just continues to feed the narrative that everything's wrong? Well, it, it, yes, there's truth because it's just such a broad statement, but... You, the react being real that you know that's that's uh you remember you remember when uh i don't even remember what you were you was 16 i don't remember we were in nebraska at, mm -hmm. at camp yes. you remember that yeah and do you remember how like and i tell this story everywhere i go because that first night was like i mean the trip just let's just be real can we it sucked because mm -hmm. you know your car broke down. Yes. Um. Just the the air went out on the bus. Mm -hmm. The trip took away. It was just terrible, and like nobody was in the mood to go to church that night. Yeah. Nobody. We couldn't get the stuff set up. I was. I'm always spiritual in those Shut moments. Up. Because, <laughs> dude, you was like, because you were. Yeah. Our you, car was broke down. I was mad. I went and looked to see about just buying another car. Yes. Up there to me get and home. you yeah, looked yeah. in Nebraska okay. at a car lot. Yeah. So what's your point about so, this? <laughs> I was talking about how unspiritual you and I. So when we got there, I went and took a shower. And you were, I don't know if you remember, I was so like overwhelmed with like, I had a feeling that I, I, I needed to do something and God was going to move. But my mind was telling me, no, nobody cares. Right. These kids don't want to hear you. This is over. Give them, pray and let them go. <laughs> and, and, and then as I walk up, one of the kids that was there, and I, I I can't remember his name. He he was the quarter. He was a quarterback up here, and he transferred schools. I think he went to South. Okay. Or I think that's. Anyway, he was like literally sitting outside of where we were going to chapel, and he was praying. I thought he was like mumbling something at me. I was like, but, yeah. you know, but he was praying. And then me, I come find you, and we go in that guy's room. You remember? And we uh, we start praying to the point that both yeah. of us are weeping. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And God begins to fall in that place. Yeah. And that night God fell and like I'd never experienced. It was raw. It was genuine. It was yeah. real. Yeah. But you remember the next night, Branson's preaching and the snake's trying to get in the door? Yes. And it caused our whole attention process to automatically shift where the God that we just experienced so much the night before was like a million miles away because we were worried about the snake getting in the door. Yeah. And I believe physically, folks, there was a real snake yes. trying to get in the door where all these kids are gathered for service. And yes. it was and, and it was a glass door. Yes. And we're watching so everybody. It was it was very distracting, obviously. But 
in the in, in the spiritual that's exactly where we are yeah and and me and you were like I remember our conversation we're like okay this like the, the door's closed the snake can't get in so let's not focus on the snake because we don't want to you know Branson's preaching and we're trying to focus yeah but we can't yes yeah and we're constantly looking and and there it is that's where we are as the church we've experienced god he's done great things but the truth is there's this snake trying to get in here and i i don't know what to do and then that's we've got to be real we I mean, yeah. and me and you finally we're like okay listen we've got to do something here Yes. Okay, and we took care of the problem, and then we got back to service. Yeah, and it was difficult even then, but it would have. We had to deal with the problem. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I remember what. So, okay, two final things here to wrap this up. Um, advice to people in leadership. Okay, people, you know, pastors, people in leadership that right now that some of them are probably overwhelmed. They're like us with uh, people yeah. that just have need. What, what advice do you have to people in leadership that are constantly working and handling um, people that have depression and leaders that are dealing with depression? Mine's probably not deep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mine's probably my, my advice is not going to be as deep as yours. Be real, mm-hmm. be authentic. Don't you're not up here and people down here. Yes. Amen. We are the same. The yeah. only difference between me and or, or us and, and anybody in our pews is that we have God's called us to, to preach. That's mm-hmm. it. We are the same. We have the same yes. struggles. Yes. We have the same. Don't act as if we're any better than anyone else. And I told you before we start, we, we have to be intentional about trying our best to do what's right for people and to help people to reach and yes. to help people. Yes. We don't, we have, we have to be real and we have to reach. Yes. So uh, I agree with that hundred percent. Don't really have a whole lot to add to that other than don't be afraid to, uh, you know, when someone comes for help, don't be afraid to be honest when it's out of your, your comfort zone or your, you know, your ability to help and just tell people, Hey, um, I think you need to talk with someone, yes. you know, a Christian counselor, Christian yeah. therapist. Don't be afraid to call somebody, you know, another pastor and get some counsel on, Hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this situation. I've got a very discouraged person and I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do. Um, what would you say? You, you know, I think sometimes we can be so full of ourselves that we're not willing to ask for help. We act, you know, and as you said, we're just people, right? None of us have it all figured out. And so don't be afraid to get help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. And when you're struggling, don't, you know, you need to have a couple of people in your life that you can just be honest with as a leader That's right. to let know you're struggling and that, that you need help and that you need prayer. Yeah. Final thing. So some, somebody's listening, somebody's watching, um, you know, that is, they've been de- battling depression, fear, anxiety, worry, doubt, and have been afraid to say anything about it, afraid to get help. Um, final words, let's just talk directly to those people. What do you want them to take away from this time we've had together? I want them to take away the fact that uh, I want them to understand they're not alone. Yeah. Amen. They're not alone. Um, and I will give this scripture that we were in. In that same story, after Jeremiah sunk in the mire, there was a man named Abedmelech that saw Jeremiah hurting 
and he went to the king and he said, King, he's about to die. Let me help him. And the king said, take 30 men. And he didn't have a, he didn't have some great scheme to get Jeremiah. He tied rags, dirty rags together. And he dropped him down in the dungeon and told Jeremiah to put his arms in between them. And -hmm. 30 men lifted him out. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. Yeah. There are people that want to help. There are people that's willing not to judge you. And I, I, I don't know, man. It's like I have a hard time. I want people to understand they're not going to be judged. Yeah. Amen. I want to help them. I don't want someone sitting there feeling that they're alone. And so I want you to know you're not alone. You don't suffer alone. We all go through it. It's all throughout the Bible. You're not less of a Christian. You're not less holy. It, it's all throughout the Bible. But God is not less of a God. Try. And so don't lessen God thinking that God can't break your depression that you've been in for years. He can. Yes, he can. He, I'm proof of it. He can break yes. addictions. He can break anxiety. Don't lessen God because of what's going on in your life. And reach and reach out to someone. Let someone help you. And let us do our best to pick you up. Yes. I mean, yep. the Bible says, what is it in... Uh, what book at Jude, and and some having compassion, making a difference. What is that? I'm not I think sure that's where that's in the at, book brother. of Jude. It says some having compassion, making a difference, and pulling them from the fire. Mm. You know, that's that's what I want our church to be. Yes. That's what I want our church to understand is that we have to have compassion and not condemnation. Yes. Reach out to people, and understand that people are human. We're flesh and blood, but God is still God. Yes. I'll leave you with this. God, it, it, ultimately, in the end, it really does come back to bringing people to God. Yes. In my life, I had got so far away from that, which would seem hard to believe because I'm preaching every week. I'm pastoring a church. But I was looking for other sources to give me a sense of peace. Like I felt like, you know, I had to have everything figured out, everything answered in order for me to have peace. Instead of just learning to trust in God, realize that God was good. Yeah. You know, uh, he's he's God didn't bring me this far to leave me here. Right. He's a good father. Yes. And I'm just going to trust that, even though I don't know all the answers, even though I don't know what next month's going to look like, even though I don't know how, you know, and when things are going to change in my scenario, I know that God never changes and that he's good. And I just need to, I need to really get my mind back on him and not be looking to a solid paycheck or you know covid to go away right or the uncertainty of the world to change or the negativity of the news to go away like right. the, my if my peace and my joy is wrapped up in those things it's just constantly going to be in peril yes and so i've got to get my mind and my heart really refocus on the goodness of god yes. and when i find the negativity of around me circumstances dictating the thoughts of my mind. I've got to take those thoughts captive and I've got to get my mind back on the things of God. And that's, that's, it's it's difficult to do at times. Mm -hmm. It is difficult to do at times, but it is that what you said, it is that renewing of that mind. That is constant, man. There's nothing God cannot do folks. Absolutely nothing. There's Mm -hmm. no, no, no depth of depression that you could possibly be in that God's hand could not reach down and pull you up out of have hope and believe that God has a way to lead you out of whatever you need let out of. That's right.